space. Well, not really. Take two. Here, in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best things as the neutral zone. Oh, we're back again. You're listening to the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network. I am Charlie Carden, your Trek Lord of West Michigan, captain of the USS Grand Petoskey fan club chapter uh, of Starfleet, the International Star Trek fan club, uh, coming to you with episode 30 of our wonderful program. But before I do that, want to toss it on over to the chief engineer of the USS Grand Petoskey, my brother to the northwest-ish uh, <laughs> over there in the uh, frozen wasteland that is Minnesota. Why don't you engineer yourself up? An introduction, Rich. <laughs> I don't really have anything as uh, Apollo Creedish as you do, but uh, uh, yeah, hey everybody, how's it going? Uh, everybody, yes, yes, Rich. <laughs> everybody, uh, Rich, of course, is uh, one of my regular co-hosts. The other one uh, is Erin, who is currently uh, on sabbatical to the Delta Quadrant, so she will be off for a few episodes. But I believe she and I are going to be back uh, sometime next month to talk about the first season of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, uh -huh. But in the meanwhile, over the next three uh, ish uh, episodes, you'll be treated to us uh, talking about this magnum opus that we're about to discuss, its <laughs> sequel, and then in between that, it will be Rich, myself, and Rich's cohort from the Great Disturbances podcast, Paul, talking about Star Trek VI and our regular progression of talking about the movie. So, uh, But without further ado, let's jump into another a summary of a comic book story. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about the Spectrum War. Uh, so Rich, read us a little bit of a, a little bit of a treatise of what the Spectrum War was all about. Okay. Well, the synopsis doesn't really do it any justice. It just uh, tells us that the Spectrum War is a six-part comics miniseries published jointly by IDW Publishing and DC Comics starting in July 2015. It was written by Mike Johnson with art by Angel Hernandez. The series is a crossover between Star Trek, the original series, and DC's Green Lantern series. And it takes basically, in an alternate DC universe, the remainders of the Lantern Corps find their way to the Kelvin timeline. Right. And random hijinks ensue. <laughs> right. So actually, this not, not truly Star Trek, the original series, because right. it's, it's the Kelvin timeline, so it has... Right. It, it bears, you know, as you and I have. You now, you and I, neither one of us is really a fan of the Kelvin timeline. Am I, am I accurate no. saying that? Yeah, you know, you're accurate. Yep. I have, and I've talked about this at length, uh, not only on, you know, Secret Friends Unite, our main podcast, you know, for the last seven years, uh, and then also, you know, on this show quite frequently, that I have a real love-hate thing with the Kelvin timeline. The Kelvin timeline, for anyone who's uninitiated, which I'm sure wouldn't necessarily be anyone listening here, is that uh, in 2009... Uh, Star Trek returned to the big screen uh, in a film simply called Star Trek, uh, directed by J.J. Abrams, by which he used events taking place in the future of where we left everything off with Star Trek Nemesis uh, it, 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 by spot of, you know, older Spock traveling into the past after trying to stop an ecological disaster in the Romulan empire. He gets flung into the past along with uh, the villainous Romulan Nero, and they create an alternate timeline. And therefore by that, all the characters that we know 
from the original you know, series, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, etc., etc., are obviously recast and played by different actors, and they have different backstories and different stuff happens. Yeah. It always annoyed the shit out of me because, again, <laughs> while certainly you can change, you know, timelines can change like, oh, you know, my dad died, so I was not raised with a dad, and my life turned out different, which was the story with, with Captain Kirk. You really can't change the dates and the ages of the characters. That's what... <laughs> always or the fact that they're talking about the Romulans but nobody's ever seen a Romulan so that by that point because it wasn't until several years later in the original series when anyone ever saw a Romulan for the first time so you know it played a little fast and loose with the rules it tried to make Star Trek more Star Wars which really does not work I'm sure we could it was funny I was talking with uh, Mark Carabin who is my co-host on uh, the, the Holocron Chronicles which Rich you've joined us on that that yeah. I would love to dedicate a future because a future episode we do that show twice a month one of the shows is a topic of discussion which is rich that's when you joined us yeah. i would love to talk about why there's so much of a rub between people saying well you either like star wars or you like star trek but I you can't that. like both yeah I, I just i want to do an episode about why that is a thing because again very different kind of storytelling absolutely yeah. different angles both series have the word star in, in it <laughs> so how do, and it has to do with space. So anyway, I know we're way the hell off topic, but anyway, <laughs> um, Rich, your your familiarity with things related to superhero comics, Green Lantern in particular, where do you stand with that? Oh boy, Green Lantern, I have read, I want to say, six issues of a Green Lantern series at any point in my life. I've that's, tried it. That's What's that? Not, yeah, that's not so far off kind of where I'm at, but okay. I have an interest in doing more. Um, okay. So this was, again, this was six issues, so this was six right here, but I've read a few, uh, that is um, Todd Extra, our, our other secret friend, that is his favorite DC superhero, and probably oh, okay. probably his, maybe his overall favorite, I know when it comes on the Marvel side, he loves Thor and he loves Wolverine, but I know when it comes to DC, he is a Green Lantern guy, he says, it's funny with his little um, mid-Michigan accent, he says Green Lantern Green Lantern, <laughs> and I never, I give him no end of shit about that, because that is just is not a way that I've heard anyone else ever pronounce that word in my life, but um, but yeah, I, um, I, I have recently kind of stepped into really digging on things related to Green Lantern, which was my interest in rereading this, because I think I read this two or three years ago when it, when it popped up on Comixology Unlimited, uh, which is how you and I were able to read it, um, because I love... Something I really dig about DC Comics is they have a lot of space-related stuff, alien-related stuff. You know, you've got the Green Lantern Corps, the space cops. You've got Superman, who's, you know, a, a, the last survivor of an alien planet. And you've got, you know, just all this different stuff going on. And I really yeah. dig that because I'm a space kind of guy. I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. And so that really spoke to me. But, you know, right from the jump, you know, I, I, I love the, the prospect. I mean, obviously, it, it's just, it, just to, to illuminate a little bit more. But uh, in an alternate DC Universe, Last Guardian, uh, Ganthet, uh, exercises power to take one of the each remaining power rings uh, into another universe to escape Necron, the embodiment of death seen in the Blackest Night series, which is one I, I kind of have skimmed in the past. It's a DC comic. Who has destroyed life in almost all the universe. So this, much like the Kelvin timeline, is separate from anything we know with DC. And if you know anything about DC comics, they are all about 
having all these different realities. Oh, yeah. You know, if if you're at all familiar with, um, and again, if you follow the the CWD shows, uh, DC uh, television shows at all, uh, they they have even their some of their regular shows exist in different dimensions. Yet you can as free you can travel between them as freely as walking across the street. So you have a device. I mean, I was watching one of them recently where the Flash and his girlfriend were getting married, and Supergirl lives on a different Earth, and they were pals with Supergirl and her sisters. So they left their earth to go to that earth to go to the wedding. And then they also stopped off and, 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 you know, bought dresses or whatever. So they're just remarking like, oh, you know, I want to shopping is different here on earth, too. It's just like it's so very casual. You know what I mean? So so, yeah. you know, there there's a myriad of different earths that's been a thing in DC Comics for many, many decades. Um, but the concept of having separate timelines in Star Trek um, really only started a, with any kind of consistency in. 2009 with this movie and just like you and i were talking about it's very controversial very oh, controversial yeah. oh God, i mean yeah. it, it's a deep divide i mean i told you how i feel kind of where does your what's the spawn of your vibe of not being so crazy about the kelvin timeline what where are you coming from uh i was super hyped up about the 2009 movie right when it when it was being advertised i thought you know this this could be great you know we could you know this is a new star trek you know i haven't that like I was I was all in. I was all in. I went to that first movie and I came out with kind of a puzzled expression on my face like what what did I just watch? And did I like it? So I had to go back and I had to watch it again. And I went back and watched it again and I wasn't 100% sure about it still even at that point. I wasn't 100% sure about it because the I have very different reasons for not liking this movie. I understand. I understand. I, I I don't like the plot devices that they use. I don't like that Kirk gets exiled to the same planet that Spock, older Spock, is on. We'll get it's to so, this because it's we're so going to talk. About it. it is. It's like Independence Day convenient. Like everybody <laughs> just happens to end up in Las Vegas. What or not Las Vegas? Uh, in in the in the where was it? Uh, Area fifty one. But well, you know, and it's funny but, you say Las Vegas, but that's what happened in another disaster movie by Devlin Emmerich, which was twenty twelve. Right. Yes. That's where they escaped. LA. You know, John Cusack is driving a limo and he escaped L.A. by driving under a falling underpass and an exploding <laughs> gas truck. And they they get to a plane where there happens to be a private jet plane. To the, and just <laughs> just perfect. It was like a perfect storm of of right. like nonsense. Right? right. And and so and so I thought, OK, well, maybe maybe. OK, so they're just laying the groundwork. So then I went when the new when the second one came out, I went and saw that one. And that is when the hate really, really started for me. And I don't oh, like. No kidding. I, I don't. With I, you. I mean, look, the Wrath of Khan is without a doubt, like my absolute favorite Star Trek movie. It it's, is. It, it, it is flawless. It is. It is. Really. And it, it, it introduced my favorite uniform. It's got it's got stuff that makes you cry at the end. It's got hope at the end. It's got, it's got this great tie to the original series. It's got stuff that makes you go, what? Like, how does Chekhov and how do Chekhov and Khan know each other? Right? If you're a fan, you you know you watch those series. <laughs> oh, you, there, uh, there there are theories. There are theories, but right, it's not yeah, important yeah. right now. Right, not important right now. So anyway, so like. And, and the whole time they were producing this movie, J.J. Abrams was literally lying to people. This isn't Khan. We're not doing Wrath of Khan. We're not remaking Wrath of Khan. It's not Khan. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you sit your ass down in the theater, it's the Wrath of frickin' Khan. Uh... And I, I just wanted to – I wanted to leave. 
You wanted, really to, did. You wanted to, you, my favorite expression about being super pissed, you wanted to punch a baby. What about punch a baby. <laughs> you I, wanted to punch a baby, didn't you? I would have. I would have given the chance. <laughs> yeah. it, like, and then, and then, I mean, they had the audacity to flip flop the Kirk Spock mm. death at the end. And I'm thinking oh. to myself, they just met. They just met one movie ago. They don't have this bond. This doesn't they, make and they essentially can't can't stand each other. But I'll tell you what. Let me steer us back on track. Because Sorry. <laughs> trust me, I will have I will abs- I will do the Kelvin movies when we get to that point. Oh in, yeah. In two episodes. That's going to be you and me, all three of that us. That is. We are just going to go ape shit on those movies. <laughs> we don't need we don't need Todd. We don't need anybody. It's just you and me. <laughs> all right. Um, so anyway, let's steer it back to this one. So DC, all kinds of multiverses, not a big deal. Star Trek, one multiverse. It's 50-50 divided hate. So um, so diving into this story, uh, yeah, the, the Enterprise crew discovers the remains of a gantlet and the power rings on a planet. Yep. Uh, taking them back to the Enterprise, they activate the power rings uh, and come under a s- attack of a squad of Klingons attacked, uh, uh, led by that universe's oh, um, God. General Chang, which, oh, again, God. we're seeing him 30 years earlier than you over 30 years earlier than you would have seen him in the continuity in the comics. So it doesn't make any sense to me why he's there. I just, 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 he, you know what? Just cause that's your, <laughs> just answer, cause that's your answer to everything that happens in the Kelvin universe. It's just cause it take that's, all the, that, all the cool stuff, throw it in a blender, blend it up. Yeah. It doesn't matter where it ends up. Right. right. Throw some, throw some cardboard in there. Maybe some broken glass, your car keys. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. The blue, indigo, and violet rings, and again, I, I, I dig on the, the Green Lantern because they have they have the eight different rings. Each one represents a different kind of emotion. Yep. I think four are good and four are bad. One of and what one of them I think is it might be nine rings, and like one of them, the white one is universal, like it encompasses all emotions. So I find that kind of cool, but we don't have a ton of time to, to delve into that. But anyway, blue, indigo, and violet rings um, find new owners among the Enterprise crew. Chekhov, McCoy, and Uhura, respectively. That gets kind of dicey, I think. The yellow ring finds its home with Chang. And yellow, as we're going to see, that's kind of the core villainy of of the Green Lantern, which is Hal Jordan, who's the main dude. And the main dude, the main yellow guy, uh, the the yellow lantern, is uh, is Sinestro, which will, he he does, spoiler alert, he shows up a little bit later on, but... Much like kind of weird plot conveyances that exist within DC Universe, like uh, the Martian Manhunter uh, is is powerless against fire, but the the Green Lantern is powerless against anything colored yellow. What? 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 <laughs> he can't, he, so basically, if he was going to try to stop a runaway school bus full of nuns, they would be fucked. He's just true, right. Yeah. In the, Right into the river. They just there's no chance. There's yeah. no chance with that. So yeah, the yellow ring finds its home with Kang. The red and orange rings fly off into space, and they find owners with uh, the the Praetor of the Romulan Senate. Again, we've not met Romulans at this point. We're not supposed to know who they are <laughs> because so we're we're kind of screwing with that. And then the other one ends up uh, on the the finger of uh, a member of the race of the Gorn hegemony, which is a race that. Still is unknown to the Federation at this point because when Kirk yeah. fights fights the Gorn <laughs> on Cestus Three, uh, you know, in, in the famous you know paper mache rock fight in the episode Arena <laughs> season one of TOS, nobody knew who he was. They was it was right. a total mystery. So we are already just we are just we are just throwing spaghetti to the wall to see what sticks here, and it, it's it's a little nutty. So anyway, oh, for reals. Oh, I for mentioned reals. I mentioned Hal Jordan. He shows up. 
He's trying to figure out why Ganthus' body is aboard Enterprise. Then Carol Ferris, who's Star Sapphire, shows up, and and Saint Walker, who is another one of uh, one of the the core lanterns. I believe he's the Indigo one. I could be wrong. I might be missing him up. As I mentioned, <laughs> Sinestro shows up. Lyra Flees, who's another one of the bad one, and Atrocious, who's the Red Lantern, the real. He's like a big big dude, like Kilowog from the Green Lantern movie, who we'll talk about a little bit later on. Right. Uh, they show up. And basically, it turns into duo. So, you know, the red is the Gorn plus Atrociacus, Lyra Flees plus the Romulan guy, and then Sinestro plus General Chang. Um, so, obviously, you know, things are going to get ugly. Um, but we quickly are finding out that there are three other Green Lanterns around, and it's the core kind of trilogy of Green Lanterns that. Most people on a peripheral level know you have John Stewart, who's the African-American one who you saw in the Justice League cartoon in the early 2000s. So he's familiar. Guy Garner, who's the dickhead Green Lantern, <laughs> which ironically, I um, because I dug the vest, I have a cosplay of that. So I, I like the out. I, I like the outfit, but he's a real dickwad, so nobody really digs on him. And then Kilowog, who's basically the, the thing. You know, he's a big dude. He's purplish, got a funky face. You saw him. He was represented in the 2011 movie by was it Michael Duncan Clark who did I the voice of that. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure. So, so anyway, yeah, they, they've survived the death of their universe. Uh, they're going to team up uh, with our gang to, uh, you know, have a, have a, as the Aussies would say, a bit of a bloody punch up, uh, which is basically how things go down. Um, so yeah, so it, it, we get to the one point by you know Neck, ne- you know Necron reveals himself. Um, and then his big play is he restores the dead planet Vulcan and brings back all of the populants uh, as Black Lanterns, which is the, the death part. And by this point, Rich, I, just, I, I need to take a breath and let you start talking because we are so backed up sideways. Oh, boy. So you, you Please take over. A couple things here. First of all, touching on a point that I found just atrocious in the in the 2009 movie the fact that they blew up vulcan uh it's <laughs> that bothered me to begin with now now in this kelvin timeline they're going to resurrect the planet and make all of its denizens black lanterns so they're 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 fucking with vulcan again and vulcans i just I'm so over the 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 Kelvin timeline. I I hope that when they when they there, there's that new that new Trek movie that they're talking about. Yep, yep. I'm hoping that they will just just put this let, away, put it on the let, shelf, let it go, baby. It it, let, it's, it was it was a trilogy. It ran its right. course. If I may uh, borrow a, a a quote from another star series, star something. Past, yeah, star something. Let the past go. Kill it if you have to. You know, I, that that little emo son of a bitch said it right. You sure got did. it. He you, sure you did. You can Kylo Ren the shit out of that, trademark. Ugh, Kylo yeah. Ren the shit out of that. But, That's right. I mean, you know, we're building to a crescendo here. This is obviously, you know, an issue issue five of a six-issue uh, series. So uh, so then we're getting into Ultimate Necron is defeated, shocking, uh, by combining the ring energies, uh, uh, by the combined ring energies of, obviously, the lanterns who were there, plus the Enterprise crew. Um, Sinestro, Atrociacus, and Lyra Flees all escape. Of course, because like anything, there's got to be a sequel. You can't kill everybody. Of course. Um, but then at the end of it, the Lanterns with Starfire, Saint Walker, uh, either join the Enterprise crew or venture into or venture to the Earth of the 
Kelvin universe. And the end of this is really is particularly bothersome because uh, they, the, our crew who you know became lanterns on their own, so Chekhov and Uhura and Bones, yeah, give give up their rings. But then the, one of the last couple panels, they said, oh, and Scotty was able to figure out how to reverse engineer the rings. Yeah. So that phaser rings became a standard issue device throughout <laughs> Starfleet. I'm like, I'm like, fuck it. No, that's just, it, it, I'm, I'm, I just, I, I, I'm, 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 God. Uh. And of course, I remember, you know, you and I did on your show about the, uh, the family guy, Star Wars. I'm just reminded of Peter Griffin and the famous <laughs> meme out there when he says, he stands up and he goes, done. He walks yeah. out. Yep. I just, I, and then again, like I said, I started reading the second part and I'm like, so uh, this <laughs> is another multiverse of DC that, <sighs> that seems perfectly plausible, but this is an alternate reality of an alternate reality <laughs> because none of this shit applies to what we saw because I get the feeling when I started the second miniseries, that is set within the time frame of the third film, which there was a big gap between films two and three. But oh, in the second right. miniseries, they're wearing the different uniforms, which are, they have the kind of the V-neck, higher collar, mm-hmm. that's a little bit more TNG. So the, the yeah. Star Trek Beyond, which to me was the only redeemable film in that series, <laughs> um, sort of. Yeah. But um, so this is a, this is like a this is like a sub sub basement of Star Trek. Universe, oh, basically what we're saying and i'm just like uh, i mean knowing what i know about star trek they've already taken first of all i've said it before i'm not a tos guy um i i was raised on the tos movies i love the look of them i love the aesthetic i hate the look and i hate the aesthetic of the original series oh. even, though, even though they had some absolutely terrific episodes city right. on the edge of forever mm-hmm. arena private little war the omega glory mm-hmm. um just some really really great storytelling and then we also had the empath and spock's brain and specter of the gun <laughs> and some things that you just no just no but um but there's I, always going to be some chaff when I, when you're talking about it right exactly so. exactly so you know and, and this the look of the original enterprise itself to me is just dumb uh, the, the look of the the movie era TOS Enterprise will always be my favorite design of any oh, kind yes. at any place. I, I adore. I would if I could build that ship and live on it. I would do. I would do it tomorrow <laughs> because I like it so much. But this yeah. is just yeah. You've taken something that already kind of sucks and added another <laughs> layer of sucky to it. So uh, in the final analysis, this is like a sub sub D minus to me of a story because it just. Again, and again, you, you factor in the fact that nothing, nothing uh, that is not on screen, we've talked about this at length all over the place, nothing that's on that's not on screen with Star Trek is canon. So right. it has to, you would simply then judge the story on the merits of it being a good story, apart <laughs> from being something canonical. And my analysis of this is, it is not. Oh no! <laughs> See, I I hate to uh, I don't want I don't want to crap on this any more than I have to. But honestly, here's there's one bright spot in this. Now I I am a TOS fan. I love TOS. That's what I grew up on. I, my my godmother f- spoon fed it to me when I was a kid, um, and so much so that when Next Generation came out, I was a little reticent to jump into that. Because I thought, well, nothing's ever going to be as good as the original. <laughs> right. 
that 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 being said, at least they didn't put this in the main timeline. Right. Um, I, I, because because it's so goofy, it's so out there, and so strange that they're introducing. I mean, there are, there are alternate timelines in Star Trek, but there's not like a multiverse, right? There's what? There's the mirror universe. There's the Kelvin universe, and then there's the Prime universe, right? Yeah, I'm missing, absolutely. Is, right. Is, is, yeah. So, well, I mean, there, you know, there's always a handful of episodes that, like, Q came, like the last episode of TNG. Q came along and he showed Picard how things would be if he didn't do X, Y, Z. But right. at the end of it, he's resolved it. Right. So that's fine. But and then there's, you know, uh, War flies into an anomaly and he uh, finds himself trapped between realities, which was an episode in season seven, which was kind of ill-conceived because the prime driving aspect of it was his romance with. Deanna Troy, which thank oh, yeah. God that did not persist, but Whew. this was a way to kind of further that <laughs> plot line through season seven. So yeah, yeah, yikes. Well, and the, the other thing about this is again, I don't have a tie to Green Lantern. Uh, in fact, I, it's not one of my favorites. I've read, like I said, about six issues besides these, so twelve issues of Green Lantern books altogether, and so not having a tie to Green Lantern and just, just hate crapping on um the kelvin universe or timeline this is definitely not my cup of tea (laughs) this is definitely not something that i like but that being said i do appreciate the awesome names that the bad guys have in the green lantern like necron right and sinestro yeah see that's what i dig they're very alien and that's what that's what I really did. Now, Marvel comics again. I'm a, I'm primarily a Marvel guy. That's right. you know that's what I that's what I grew up on. Yep. I still read Marvel, but over the years I've dabbled in DC, and I've recently you know committed to some reading projects. Like with Todd, we talked about uh, a, a arc from the early 1970s of Green Lantern and Green Arrow called the Hard Traveling Heroes. About 12 issues of varying quality. Uh, if you <laughs> listen to our show, which comes out, uh, which came out. Comes out tomorrow for you and me recording, but came out last Friday for those of you listening to this when it comes out on Monday. You can comprehend that 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 time suck. Oh, but, there's um, a whole different timeline there. There's a whole different timeline there. <laughs> um, yes, we're talking about the future. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do more of the Green Lantern stuff. But again, I really appreciate how DC has that more science fiction-y arc to it, which is why I, I see Star Trek and Green Lantern as a good clip. And again, like... maybe down the road there's a Star Trek The Next Generation and Doctor Who. I kind of enjoyed that. Maybe that would be a better direction to go in than this, you know what I mean? Awesome. So we can look at that, but, you know, I I enjoyed that. I like the science fiction-y piece, but I I, I just wonder if this could have been better served by keeping it, you know, even, even with the TOS, actual TOS crew, if it would have been a better fit, or if it would have made any difference, or if it would have been any other crew from the Star Trek universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do this, why not do the New Frontier series? Put them in with New Frontier. Like Peter David's little uh, oh, like I side the, project. I it's, love the New Frontier. Me too. That's so and, good. That's such good stuff. And it's it's so totally dead. No, but the New Frontier, God, we should, we, you and I should talk about that, because that Definitely. is one that... That is one that I read. That was the first uh, series ever, that first ever original series created uh, in the novels. 
Yeah. You know, it was the first thing that, and again, it was, you know, much like anything you would expect, it was uh, brought back, uh, brought through a lot of familiar elements. Like Picard yep. was a heavy guest character and Spock was a guest character. And, you know, they brought back, uh, you know, minor characters from, from, you know, the next generation and stuff like that. So right. we should right. totally, we should totally do that after this. We should, we should, we should, we should, we should break down the one, there's one only one comic ever published yeah. about that and it is available from Comicsology Unlimited so I already own it <laughs> that, you know what I'll tell you what I'm an advocate of scrapping talking about the second volume of this and doing that what oh, you do you think, think so? about that yeah uh, let, you know? let, let's let's be bold I'm gonna, I'm changing the schedule we're going to do so next week we're going to do we're going to have Paul on we're going to talk about Star Trek 6 and the week after that New Frontier the single uh thing that they published we're, that's what we're going to talk about I'm all, right, I'm all in I'm all, all right. All right. No, that's cool. So, uh, putting putting a wrap on it, one to ten. What do you give it? What do you Ugh. give this? God. Okay. So, I'm gonna give it. I'm sorry to the people that wrote this because I'm sure I wrote and drew, and drew this because I know they put hours of their time into it and they 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 probably are very proud of this. But for me, as a Star Trek fan, as a non Green Lantern fan. I'm going to give this a two and it only gets a two because of the cool names like Sinestro and Atrocitus and Larflees and stuff like that. So not even something that's Star Trek related. Right. Exactly. So yeah, they took the best elements of it and dumb. you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm going to have to tie that with you yeah. um, because while I do love the green lantern stuff and it's great to see it in parlance, I hate the Kelvin stuff so much, and they they <laughs> they molest it so much with this material <laughs> that it just it just ends up being it just absolute dudsville. So this uh, is a two. It's terrible. Thank yeah. God I read it as part of Comics Out Jam, but I didn't purchase it. So, <laughs> and we disliked it so much that we're not going to torture ourselves with reading the sequel. I'm going to stop reading. I started. I read the first issue of the sequel. I'm like, this is. I don't know that this is worse, but we're we're almost there. We're almost we're almost there to being bad. So yes, yeah, so we will be back next week to talk about Star Trek Six with Paul uh, from Great Disturbances, and the week after that, the New Frontier. Nice. I think it's called No Limits or something. I can picture the cover of it, something but like that. it's a picture of it's a picture of Admiral Admiral Jellico getting the neck pinch from Saleda, who is the Vulcan Romulan uh, crew member of uh, of the Excalibur. So I'm looking uh, yes. forward to that. I love I'm that looking forward too, to that. I'm a big time. All right, moving on. Two news stories, and both are about. Uh, one of our favorite uh, actors from the Star Trek franchise. So, Rich, you go ahead and tell us about this first one. Oh, man, I love this. I love this so much. Okay, so LeVar Burton put a, put a post out on Twitter, uh, what, a week ago maybe? Yeah. Maybe, maybe two weeks ago. I don't know. But he put a little, they put a little chirp out there on Twitter that he would love to be the next host of Jeopardy. And fandom responded i know i responded i tweeted that thing out every damn day put lavar on jeopardy put lavar on jeopardy well after two weeks of us hounding the jeopardy people they are going to have <laughs> I know, I, look it worked for the snyder people right it worked for right. the the give us the snyder cut people give us lavar burton on jeopardy they're going to give us lavar burton on jeopardy he's going to get a guest spot on it i don't know if they're doing this like they did with the regis and kathy lee replacement um, but if they are, I know, I just, I know in my heart of hearts that LeVar Burton is going to knock this out of the park. I love Jeopardy and I love LeVar Burton and this is like peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and chocolate. If that's your thing. Why not? I mean, the man is so electric. I told you a story, uh, when we were talking earlier this evening that, um, 
uh, Todd, who is our, our mutual friend, and he's how we met. And I, he lives out there in the Twin Cities. I live back here in Michigan. He and I went to college together, which is how uh, you know we became friends. He went off into the Air Force, and eventually when he got out, he ended up in Minneapolis. And right. so because it's 11 hours away – the only real chance that we get to hang out is to have an activity or something to meet halfway for, well, for us, it was Chicago. And for a year, it was the wizard world show, which was at, nice. you know, at the end, at the end of summer. And so the second year that we went in 2011, um, we would usually just do a one day, but I think we bought a two day pass for some reason. And, you know, I had the day off, he had the day off. So we both drove in, um, and got there, you know, mid afternoon. And we said, well, we got passes. Why don't we just go, and we'll breeze the show as it's wrapping up or whatever. And so we get down there. We're walking around. It's very quiet. But, you know, the guests who are signing things are still hanging around because they have office hours, as it were, air quotes. Um, <laughs> and at one, at one section and like kind of tucked back, halfway down a row tucked back, it was uh, Daniel Stewart, who was the son of Patrick Stewart, who guested on an episode of uh, – uh, we guessed on an episode of TNG that we just did a watch party for uh, in our collective region, The Inner Light. He played the son of the character that Picard was playing. Oh, I didn't uh, get a chance to see that one. Uh, no, I thought you were I wasn't there. there no, I wasn't in there with that one. I was at the, I was at the one where um, oh, with it, uh, Picard the Old Man. Old Man Picard. That, that, it's the same one. That's the same one. Is it? I thought, yeah. No, I thought The Inner Light was the one with uh, Deanna Troy and... Uh, uh. No, uh, oh god, okay, never mind. Yeah, that's right. Okay. No, the the one they did last <laughs> week was called Phantasms. It was oh, Phantasms. Okay. Absolutely terrible episode about Data's dreams and you know, <laughs> that that's all we need to say. Um, nice. but at any rate, sitting next to Daniel Stewart was LeVar Burton and cuz there was nobody around, I just, you know, I'm not shy. I just went up and talked to the man for a couple minutes. Super kind and gracious guy. Wow. Talked for just a couple of minutes. So I mean, I didn't get an autograph or anything because I I'm not a big autograph autograph guy. Yeah. Uh, but I just really enjoyed talking to him. So gracious and down to earth, and everything that everything that you want a celebrity to be very accessible. Nice have a conversation with him. So yeah, I mean I I love seeing him put in any situation where he can um he can shine. Yeah, from absolutely uh, from you know Roots, which was his breakout, uh, which is something that I was very moved by when I was in high school, both the book and obviously the telefilm uh, to reading rainbow, which he did forever and, and in conjunction with TNG. And then of course, TNG, the subsequent movies. I mean, we've not seen him in the Jordy LaForge role since 2002, though it's being kind of snipped about that uh, as we'll talk about uh, in our next story here, that, that, that could come back again. So um, absolutely fantastic news. Looks like his episodes will uh, air in late July, July 26th, July 30. So, uh, as a big, you know, fan, as both we have to remind ourselves, so I'm sure social media will not let us down uh, in helping <laughs> us remember that it is on. So, but continuing our streak in our second and final story of the episode, uh, Lavar Burton says Jordy LaForge in Star Trek Picard season two is a maybe. Ooh. It's not a no. It's a maybe. No, he says uh, when asked if there could be a possible Jordy LaForge appearance in season two, Burton said maybe. I said I think. I mean, uh, I mean, I think the time period of Picard is contemporaneous. Hmm, big word a lot of not of people use, but he's Jordy. He, he can get away with it. So he's the reading rainbow um, guy. He is, and you know, it was uh, heavily featured in the uh, Picard uh, set novel, which again, not explicitly canon, uh, but uh, you know, elements of it could be drawn into to be canon if uh, if the writers so choose of Picard that. 
the um you know on the you know is Picard the one you haven't seen or Lower Decks is the one you haven't seen? Picard is the one I have not seen. Okay, well there was and it was featured in Short Tricks. There was prior to the series there was a massive uh, attack on the Utopia Planitia shipyards on Mars. Well, the Utopia Planitia shipyards on Mars within this novel were run by Jordy LaForge, oh. and he 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 does survive the attack. It's made that it's made clear in the book. Um, so we're at least hopefully meant to believe that um that the character is still alive so uh i will take a maybe i mean i know that uh, that i've read things that say that the um you know the, the showrunners the writers of picard don't want to turn it into you know a continuation of tng by just having a huge parade of all of the existing cast members and characters and guest stars just be launched through there at the speed of light. So, but to do it in a way that makes sense for a story that, that, that really emphasizes good storytelling. So, but, but again, a great character um, and to see him come back to see all of them come back in time, I think would be magnificent. So I'm, I'm totally down and I have my, you know, I have my, my ears on the pulse to, to make sure that this uh, is that, that hopefully that this is something that goes down. Yeah, agreed. I, uh, I'm, I, like I said, I've got to get caught up on season one, but if they're bringing Jordy back, that'd be an awesome thing. He was one of my favorite characters on TNG. Strongly motivated. All right. Well, that actually brings us to the conclusion of our program. You know, Rich, we laughed, we cried, we hurled <laughs> uh, at Green Lantern and the Calvin Universe. But why don't you go ahead and, and uh, take us out of the show, please? Absolutely. For more information about Starfleet International in Michigan and beyond, please visit the USS Grand Patelski or the USS Nomad on Facebook. The Code 47 podcast is a part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network and is produced by todd oxtra oh yeah my soul brother so uh friends as always thank you for joining us we are of course uh part of the secret friends podcast network as network as rich has said you're listening to the code 47 podcast we come out every monday talking about star trek bi-weekly uh todd and our friend uh mark carabin the canardian talk about video games on the co-op mode podcast uh, on the opposing Wednesday Mark and myself team up to talk about Star Wars on the Holocron Chronicles sometimes Rich joins us as well uh, and then every Friday seven years running now uh, you will hear uh, Secret Friends Unite podcast Todd and myself your guide to the geek side your a la carte to geek and po- uh, and, and popular culture all the way around the horn. So uh, you can five-star and review us, hopefully, uh, on the podcasting hosting service of your choice. Uh, you can also find us uh, over on uh, YouTube. Todd does mirror our shows over there. Uh, and most easily, as a way to reach us, you can find us on our very vibrant uh, Facebook community, uh, which is geared towards uh, geek discussion. Uh, and hit us up over on Twitter at secret friends you that is the letter you drop us a line let us know something that you're enjoying whatever the topic is a question that you have an idea for the show uh we are all about it uh and we will talk about that on the program so one more time everyone thank you for joining us i'm gonna tell you as always that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking and don't forget friends don't let friends watch the kelvin timeline